As Aquinas says that the mind should not stop at enunciables, that is, words. It must arrive at the res, the things themselves. And too much of theology seems to be caught up with memorizing of conceptual patterns rather than a real seeing of the actual corporeal beings. Welcome to the Catholic Theology Show, presented by Ave Maria University. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Dauphiné, and today I am joined by a a dear friend and mentor and colleague, Professor Emeritus at Ave Maria University, Dr. William Reardon. And Dr. Reardon, uh, just welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Michael. Pleasure to be here with you. Yes, and uh, Dr. Reardon was really probably one of the earliest founding members of what became Ave Maria University. Um, Before there was Ave Maria College in Michigan, uh, there was Ave Maria Institute. Yes. And I believe you began teaching with the Institute, Ave Maria Institute, in 1998. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Two years before it became a college in uh, 2000, and uh, several years before Ave Maria University uh, began in Florida in uh, 2003. Right. And so just so pleased to have you on the show. I know um, many of our listeners uh, find the history of Ave Maria uh, just of, of interest, either you know some of them have participated in it or not. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to get a chance to speak with you a little bit about some of those early days of the founding of the university, some of your involvement with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things I really want to talk a little bit about is how kind of how you feel like, you know, God prepared you intellectually, Mm -hmm. uh, theologically uh, to join Ave Maria and to, you know, help it become, uh, you know, something that was kind of unique, something that would make a genuine contribution Mm -hmm. to not only the recovery of theological education, Mm -hmm. but really to the recovery of education. Yes, uh, that um, right, you know, there there was uh, such a sense that uh, many people find somehow education not as um, I don't know how to put it, not as consoling, not as educating, almost as it as it ought to be. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw this sometimes with uh, maybe Catholic universities. Uh, that were not fully embracing their Catholic identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, other universities that have kind of given up the notion that there is ultimately one truth, right? Uh, yes. that, that kind of centers the university. So yes. maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about what was the Institute like when you showed up in 1998? Mm-hmm. Um, I was the fourth member of the full-time faculty hired um, and uh, it was a very small group of students, as you mentioned earlier. They um, were very ardent Catholics, raised in good families, most mm-hmm. of them. And um, we moved, made an important move early on. We hired a man named Dr. Matt Levering, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a key figure in, I think, the way that the university later developed and the theology graduate program uh, along with the whole you know, undergraduate as well. And then the way in which the liberal arts were uh, being integrated in such a way that um, each science, let's say what we basically had as the core was 
um, a classic language, usually Latin, maybe some Greek, uh, physical sciences, literature, history, philosophy, as all those sciences that are forms of knowledge that are available to the natural human reason, and then the divine science, theology, um, the professors were exceedingly um, emphasizing the integration of these uh, mm-hmm. fields of study, uh, each with their own range, as uh, Pope uh, John Paul II in Ex Corte Ecclesia delineates, and, uh, and also uh, Newman in his idea of the university, that the... Um, that these different ways of seeing God's creation from these different perspectives is so integrating. And uh, mm-hmm. so each discipline then not only has its own range, but also is seen together uh, with the others. And there's not that isolation of yeah, specialization. So it's interesting at most schools, right? The school and the curriculum has been around for, right, forever or for, mm-hmm. I mean, not, not forever, but for, uh, for a long time before faculty or students show up. Yeah. So, you were at that time, right? Really, just a group of faculty members. Yes. Four. Mm-hmm. And I think when uh, I showed up in two thousand and one, yes. maybe thirteen or yes. a dozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what would it? What was it like, in a way, to have a group of faculty sitting around a table developing a curriculum? Mm-hmm. In a way, developing what you judged was like that was worthy of students yes. and uh, it necessary. Was, it was exciting. And, uh, and uh, you know, w- with uh, Matt, uh, Dr. Levering there, uh, we soon brought you in. You have studied together with uh, Matthew uh, uh, under Father Lamb. Um, the excitement uh, with not only the professors, but the students mm-hmm. who were, would comment to us, well, I was over in literature, I was reading Dante, but now I'm in theology, I'm studying Aquinas, and I see the the way in which these form together, and there's such a richness. Um, there's a, a way in which the liberal arts uh, really doesn't make a, it's liberating, uh, liber, uh, mm. that's the key word mm-hmm. in Latin there, because it frees us from that uh, darkness of sin and of ignorance in which we're born, that obscuring of mind, that weakening of the will, that disorder in the passions. Mm-hmm. It helps to bring an integrated view of creation and its creator. Yeah. Um, and, and it's very, I think, in some ways, consoling, as you're, you're mentioning. It can be consoling and, 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 and builds confidence. And it prepares a person, as Father Fessio would always say when he joined the faculty, it prepares a person for professional work in any field. We have people who went through the Corps and went on to law or in carpentry or, or mm-hmm. you know, finance, whatever. So it's a, it's a very... Um, it's a very good foundation. Mm-hmm. What would you say to some who might um, object that the kind of prior, uh, I don't know, some kind of the, the role of theology somehow, I don't know, obscures the other disciplines or that everything just gets collapsed into mm-hmm. theology. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, students aren't really getting a university education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would be very mistaken. Um we had students who were um, training in biology or in um, uh, some field, actually specializing in history, medieval or mm-hmm. modern uh, philosophy, reading uh, everyone from Plato and Aristotle up through Kant and Hume and uh, the others. Uh, uh, it just, it was such ex- so expansive, not being bleached out by theology at all, mm-hmm. rather theology as um, in some ways a, a capstone and a, uh, illuminating um, 
englobing um, vision which integrates and highlights all the rest, brings them out in their full color, range, mm-hmm. and, and richness. No, it doesn't doesn't overwhelm the others. Right, yeah, I think there's that uh, image uh, that some people have used with respect to grace and nature, that yes. if you have a, a stained glass window, mm-hmm. right, it has all of the you know colors and beauty within it, but it's mm-hmm. when light illumines it that you see it. Yes, much more brilliantly. Much more brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and perhaps in some ways, it seems that without theology, mm-hmm. when the universities began to um, reject, or, or, you know, turn, uh, many of universities that were founded by uh, Christian congregations or by the Catholic Church yes. uh, rejected that, mm-hmm. that the different parts, in a way, began to lose their connection. Yeah, splintering. Uh, and I think it's, you know, one of the things I, you know, you might have found this when you were hiring faculty is that some faculty were very well trained in one area, but yeah. were not sure about how that particular their discipline would be connected mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the rest of studies. Yes, and I always thought it was kind of the irony is that we expect the students to learn it all. Yes. Uh, so then the faculty also ought to have some sense mm-hmm. for not only their own discipline but how their discipline fits within the whole. Yes. Uh, and I think one of the things that that can actually do is. It actually prevents us from thinking that our discipline is the only way of viewing the world. Right. Exactly. Right? I mean, there's yes. something right. If you, um, you know, there's the joke, right? A man with a hammer sees everything as a nail, uh, <laughs> yep. right? And it's good in a way for the biologist to see everything in terms of biology, or the, mm-hmm. you know, the philosopher to see some everything in terms of philosophy, or you know, finance or economics, whatever it is, mm-hmm. literature, mm-hmm. Um, and yet. Uh, we also have to remember that the whole is much greater than yes. our ability to see it, right? Even theology mm-hmm. yes. uh, does not see all of the natural world in its splendor qua theology, right? As revealed theology, mm-hmm. it kind of needs, in mm-hmm. a way, mm-hmm. other studies of grammar, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Of uh, yes. studies of history, yes. Uh, studies of uh, philosophy, you know, philosophy yeah, sure. uh, mm-hmm. astronomy, mm-hmm. all these different yeah. modes. And it can so. integrate these uh, and raise them up into the revealed um, wisdom of God, which, uh, as Aquinas says in question one, is God's knowledge of himself concerning himself alone and then communicated to others for their beatitude. It's uh, God's knowledge, mm. sibi, soli, de se ipso. This is question uh, one, article six. And um, Aquinas also says that theology is not uh, in need of these other sciences, but uh, uh, the other sciences help to better manifest to us Mm -hmm. what uh, has been revealed to us. So um, the use, uh, extraordinary use of uh, philosophy by Aquinas Mm -hmm. is... um, so uh, important within sacred doctrine, within that all-encompassing knowledge, which is really God's knowledge of himself and of all things. That's the sacra mm-hmm. doctrina, uh, as understood by Aquinas. Yeah, it reminds me of sometimes the way that the medieval cathedrals yes. were described as as almost like uh, microcosms of the yes. universe. They were yes. like representations yes. of 
uh, the whole cosmos. Yes. There was a kind of splendor, grandeur, yes. height, you know, these sorts of elements. Yes. Just to comment uh, yeah. on that too, and uh, with other temples of other religions, um, this uh, has been uh, something that's come out with the history of religion, study of um, uh, different religions, that temples would be microcosms. Mm. And in the cathedral, what we have then is the microcosm with the creator corporeally present in the center of it, mm-hmm. um, that makes a huge difference. For We have mm-hmm. to remember all these, you know, probably billions of human, uh, human beings who preceded us and didn't have the advantage of uh, the revelation of the God of Israel, he who is. And so we have to pray that uh, they were, through these shadows and figures, able to find God and mm-hmm. come to him. Right, yeah, so the cathedral then, in a way, is both brilliant and beautiful, spacious, Mm -hmm. ordered, organized, but also you can always find little, uh, it's a never-ending kind of, uh, you can can go into any uh, small, you know, uh, corner, small chapel (laughs) in different areas or Mm -hmm. prayer things, but... But within it, you're right, what made it a cathedral, what Mm -hmm. made it these great thing was that, right, God himself was present in the sacrament. So through the liturgy of the church, human beings were restored in relationship to God because God, right, entered into that relationship with human beings in Christ. Yes. You know, and then, you know, through the church, the sacraments and scriptures. And and what, what I also have in mind here is this idea that the cathedral was not limiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of open. And and I think in a certain way, and you can you know let me know if you think this is a helpful way, is that mm-hmm. an authentic curriculum, even though, say, in the beginning it was small mm-hmm. and limited, handful of faculty, handful yes. of students, yes. um, was in a way open to the whole. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Right, and so when other disciplines later were added, yes, um, they weren't doing violence to right. that, yes, you know, to that original yeah. kind of smallness, but they were the flowering kind yes. of, you know, the acorn growing into the oak. Yes, yes, and the, and the students would be able to recognize whatever further, you know, uh, say, uh, direction they wanted to go for their um, you know, major, how the core was actually enabling them to not, not only step into that uh, more, you know, that professionally directed uh, subject or area, or that it uh, really um, was, as you say, a flowering forth. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, and largely what you're summarizing here, uh, the university actually articulated in its philosophy of the curriculum, yes. uh, which was developed by uh, the faculty early on yes. and continues to be the mm-hmm. philosophy of our curriculum yes. uh, today. And it really is that idea that um, since all of reality comes from God, yes, right, uh, both mm-hmm. in the uh, natural order and in the supernatural order of revelation, mm-hmm. uh, that education and uh, an, an authentic curriculum is, uh, and, and in a way faculty and students have that recognition in a way that yeah. the yeah ultimate reality is greater than yes. their particular approaches to it. Yes. Uh, we go to uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, where Paul says that the invisibles, the power and deity, especially of God, yeah. are manifest through the visibles he has made. Then, uh, in some ways, anything and everything is a point where God is manifesting himself, mm-hmm. literally manifest, because he's holding all these things in being. Yeah. 
And um, so there's an integration that comes, and then, uh, as you say, it just opens out to all things. You don't get yeah, lost yeah. in your in your major. Yeah, so I think it's that idea of kind of like, sometimes I think we think of integrity as a kind of wholeness that can kind of limit or fix. Mm-hmm. Not a, It's almost like I think modernity sees integrity as a kind of prison from which freedom needs to break out. Yes. Yeah. Um, but instead, the way you're describing integrity mm-hmm. is a kind of wholeness mm-hmm. uh, into which we grow. Yes. Right? Yes. So it's it's the fullness of our nature. It's the fullness of our common life together, which we may never fully achieve in this life. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but that allows, so this integrity, in, the integration of learning, yes, uh, the integration of knowledge, the integration of the disciplines, mm-hmm. Uh, is is actually a kind of fertile yes and and open because it accepts certain kind of ultimate truths yes then oh, there's an hierarchical order then then we can explore yeah, right. mm-hmm. yeah. and we can encounter a kind of joy yes in learning right a joy in the truth mm-hmm. as John Paul II would describe it yes. in excorde yeah. A beginning of that eternal beatitude for which he has made us and saved us. Wow, that's a really, really helpful. How would you tell us a little bit about your own study? Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get interested in learning? Mm-hmm. Uh, how were you educated? How did you end up becoming a theologian? Mm-hmm. And maybe how do you, who were some of the teachers uh, yes. that influenced you along the way? Yes. Um, well, I was in college in California, St. Mary's College, uh, 1966 to 1970. Uh, put it briefly, it's a time when it was easily, easy to be confused. Wow. And uh, easy to yes. be confused about many things. And um, I must say that Father Owen Carroll, uh, who uh, spent almost 45, 50 years at St. Mary's, he also taught at the Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology in Berkeley with grad students, uh, was a major influence, and I can't thank him enough. Um, he um, has recently published a book that I would like to show to <laughs> yeah. everyone, um, The Sufferings and Glory of Christ, uh, a meditation on Holy Week. He also has a new book coming out on the five ways of Aquinas, which is really going to be quite extraordinary. Um, but I, I, I met him at St. Mary's at a point when everybody was more or less saying, or most of the professors, is not all, saying that Aquinas and the ancients were passe, irrelevant, and Father Carroll. So this is the late 60s yes, yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah, that area. And Bay Area. Yeah. Bay Area, I guess, yeah, yeah. Oakland. Or, uh, yeah, uh, more, yeah, more closer uh, to, let's say, the, the, the hills on the other side, of, yeah, yeah, from Oakland. Okay. A, a, a extraordinarily beautiful area, by the way. Yes, uh, yes, uh, but kind of almost an epicenter of, oh, yeah, of, of a lot of just... It, I mean, yeah. a, a collision of ideas yes. and yes. a lot of, you know, like destabilization yes. of classical forms of education and maybe yes. classical forms yes. of yes. Christianity. Yes. Yeah. Calling into question. And there were an extraordinary number of theologians who got lost during that time, both American and Europeans and others. And um, I think we're very sincere, but, but very mistaken in many ways. God bless them anyway, but I just think uh, so. Father Carroll was able to show that the ancients, Aquinas and others, and he was also very well read in others like Kant, Hegel, he could discuss, Descartes, he could discuss any of these people with any expert. He was able to show us a lot of times through examples 
and through going slowly through Aquinas's text, what Aquinas is really saying, not just what other people might be saying that he's saying, um, that he was able to really unfold for us the richness of Aquinas's thinking, Augustine, uh, Dionysius the Areopagite, and others more recent, of course, too. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, he really, he's still alive at 91, 92 <laughs> years old now, and he has written this long work on the five ways of Aquinas, and he finished it when he was 91. <laughs> so he's, a, he's really an amazing man. Uh, he's that. still living in I Oakland. Now, uh, how, did his, how did his teaching, as you're describing it here, uh, not teaching maybe merely texts or the history of theology or merely, I don't know, theological ideas, but you mm-hmm. somehow helping students encounter yeah. the realities yes, yes. that are disclosed uh, yes. by these authors. <clears throat> yes. Um, how did that impact <clears throat> your own Very much. vocation yes. as a teacher? Well, as Aquinas says, um, that the mind should not stop at enunciables, that is, words. It must arrive at the res, the things themselves. Mm-hmm. And too much of theology seems to be caught up with memorizing of conceptual patterns rather than a real seeing of the actual beings. As Aquinas says, there's nothing in the intellect which is not first in the senses. So we've got to come to the sense corporeal beings. It's through the visibles that we come to the invisible perfections of God. And uh, Father Carroll was so good with examples that he came up with. Just using examples from Aquinas, um, the archer shooting an arrow, all the implications of that for the fifth way, for example. Of, uh, or Could you say more, just a word about that for, sure. for listeners? The oh, archer yeah. shooting the arrow. arrow. Yeah, right. What's, how is, what's that an example well, of? Well, <clears throat> actually, <laughs> what Father Carroll does, is he shows in the five ways that there uh, is a kind of unity to them all, starting with the uh, first moving being, all, we, we see all these moving beings, and then we see that uh, the uh, moving being gives to the uh, moved being, let's say the archer to the arrow, uh, a certain movement that has a certain character and directionality to it, that it's necessarily in flight now, the arrow is, cannot mm. be otherwise, as long as it is in flight, and it's sharing a certain perfection of movement that is a perfection first in God, who is the source of all perfections of all beings, who is governing the universe toward its target and the new heavens and the new earth, the heavenly Jerusalem. So um, I hope that's answering your question, but it's just he was able mm-hmm. to show through the examples of Aquinas and others that he developed this, um, you're seeing the beings, you're not just bringing together concepts. Yeah, that's... Uh it's really powerfully put, and it's a sense of education yes. as helping people to come into contact with reality. Yes, education is yeah. ex, from Latin, ex ducere, to lead out of what? Mm. Out of what? Out of the darkness of sin and an ignorance in which we were born. Mm. And it's a, really, in some ways, like the exodus, a Greek word, the way out of this uh, shadows and darkness in which we uh, this mm-hmm. world lies um, because of our sins. Yeah. And in order to have that kind of education so that we can maybe leave behind some of our misunderstandings, some of our, right, I don't know, deceptive ways or yes, yes. misunderstandings about the world, yes. we, through education, come into greater contact with reality. Yes. 
Uh, And Mm -hmm. what I hear you saying is that that was something you first encountered in theology. Yes. As really the touchstone of true theology and through Father Carroll and and others too, yeah, and then yeah. Um, but him, but it's especially. and then being able to read, say, Di, um, Pseudo Dionysius mm-hmm. or yes. Augustine, mm-hmm. Paul, yes. John, yes, as well as the scriptures, um, yes. the scriptures, and of course Aquinas, yes. seeing them as introducing us to, in a way, helping us to see the truth of the universe, the truth of the universe, universe. yes, and yes. therefore mm-hmm. through the truth of creation, mm-hmm. yes, the truth about the Creator, yes. Who not mm-hmm. only comes to us through creation, but also comes to us through the incarnation. Yes, um, right. But that overall approach really opens itself up into actually a rich notion of education for any discipline, mm-hmm. it right? Is. Because even say, if you turn to biology, yeah. yes, you're trying to look at the world as it truly is, uh, yes. and that we, when we discover DNA, mm-hmm. when we discover principles of order. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the universe, when we see things like the incredible complexity of the cell, or different things like this, yes. you right. We're not we're not simply imposing mm-hmm. on reality a concept, yes, uh, or simply a you know I don't know how to put it some kind of uh, mode of speech, yeah. but we're encountering like we're encountering truth, yes, right, and yeah. right, and and so therefore that same principle in a way that you took from your studies of theology uh-huh. opens itself up to a whole understanding of the university. Yes, exactly. Um, the For Aquinas, again, the nothing in the intellect which isn't first in the sensible beings, and so um, it grounds you in the, the, the sensible. Mm-hmm. And then the intellect, that word comes from Latin, intus legere, to read within. That is, let's say we're looking at something it's a rock, that's one of Aquinas' favorite, uh, a stone, lapidum. And we're looking at a stone, and we're making me looking at it and say, what is that over there? And it's present in the eye as that uh, sensible um, image, impression. And then the, there's in us that natural desire to, to uh, understand what is it to understand, to s- get to the substance mm-hmm. of the being. What is that? And let that which is there now be present in our mind in this other form. Uh, what's in the sensible and being now becomes present in our sense and into our intellect. And there's a, a real kind of identity or union with the known present now in the knower mm-hmm. as well. So education is helping people to come into that union with yes, reality. exactly. Right. And I think there you made a uh, subtle distinction, and we'll, I'd like to come back and talk about this a little bit more. And I'd like also to ask you, uh, when we get back from our break, okay. to uh, tell us a little bit more about some of the uh, ways in which you would try to introduce students mm-hmm. uh, you know, to uh, what Ave Maria was trying to do. Yeah. Uh, but just real quickly, I think that in, in Descartes, in modern philosophy, you get an emphasis on thinking. Mm-hmm. He'll even describe man as a thinking thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, But thinking, in some ways, is thinking about something. It's the first step of the mm-hmm. intellect. Mm-hmm. The second mode is understanding. It's moving from perceiving to the judgment that what I'm thinking is true. Uh, and that what you what you're kind of gently reminding mm-hmm. us of from Aquinas is that mm-hmm. Aquinas is never merely about thinking mm-hmm. 
thinking no. or reasoning, as he will put it, sometimes ratio, as he will describe it, is is a mode that springs from understanding from intellectus yes and issues in understanding yes which is why i think sometimes you know in our contemporary world of education we have incredibly high levels of thinking mm -hmm. that are phenomenal mm -hmm. right we can uh, i think last christmas we launched right we launched a telescope that yes. orbits the sun yes right? yeah. that's that's pretty impressive very, thinking very Right. And yet at the same time, we find ourselves sometimes with a lack of understanding mm, yes. of what does it mean to be human? Yes, right? exactly. And so exactly. anyways, I think that under that moving to that shift of understanding education is about helping me understand reality. Yes. And therefore, I have been brought into contact with that reality by yes. other teachers. Yes. And so as a teacher, I help to bring other students mm -hmm. so that they can do that. Yes. Right. Um, exactly. It's really kind of an invitation. Yes. Uh, to see things. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. let's, uh, we'll, we'll take a break and we'll come back uh, okay. shortly. Fine. You're listening to the Catholic Theology Show presented by Ave Maria University. If you'd like to support our mission, we invite you to prayerfully consider joining our Annunciation Circle, a monthly giving program aimed at supporting our staff, faculty, and Catholic faith formation. You can visit us at AveMaria.edu to learn more. Thank you for your continued support. And now, let's get back to the show. Dr. Reardon, Hello. in the early days of Ave Maria, uh, you served as dean of the faculty, I think associate dean at some yeah, point. Yeah, short time. And uh, I remember uh, you gave a wonderful talk to students and parents mm -hmm. during orientation back in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember that talk? And uh, yes. would you just, what were a couple kind of key themes that you felt were helpful to kind of orient, to right, turn our, to help students understand the, the kind of education that you were so invested mm -hmm. in passing on? Yes. Uh, the um, intention of that talk was to help the students who had just read Joseph Pieper's Leisure, the Basis of Culture. Mm -hmm. If I take a moment to talk about that book, it was published right after World War II by a German philosopher, Catholic, and um, he writes right in the beginning, people might say, what are you talking about leisure for? Our country is a mess. We've got to rebuild. We've got work to do. Mm -hmm. And he says, no, uh, well, that's important, but we need to have this um, develop this contemplative ability to see creation and creation's creator much more present and with us so that we don't just build away. Um, you know, as the psalmist says, um, those, uh, unless the, the Lord build the house, the laborers labor in vain. Mm -hmm. And um, Joseph yeah, I think Peter's, I remember in that book he... Yeah. Right, I think he contrasts. You can either have Homo sapiens uh -huh. or Homo faber. Yeah, right. right. Is it yes. is it man the knower mm -hmm. or man the maker Bil builder yeah. builder? Yeah, right. and, we, uh -huh. and the, the Tower of Babel would be an example mm -hmm. of that kind of way in which the human race can, or any person in their private life, can try to build themselves up so that people will notice. And that's, by the way, in the Genesis text that we'll build something that everybody mm -hmm. will notice, and. Uh, it's uh, always a dead end, and um, we 
in that talk, then I tried to focus the students on uh, the importance of their study, importance of letting the what they're learning deeply inform them. That's a word that Aquinas will use, information. That is, mm. what you're learning is actually forming itself in you and conforming you to the realities that you're uh, seeing and learning about and ultimately conforming you to the maker of these realities. There's a deification. There's a, there's a making us more and more like God. Uh, and uh, this is the beginning of beatitude when we will see God as he is, John mm-hmm. says. And um, so we emphasize, I tried to emphasize the, the importance of the core and then all the courses that would be taken in, in their major and so on. And uh, also the life of prayer, that they would bring themselves uh, let the Lord bring them to uh, worship. That was also very strong in Peeper, that um, the study and contemplation of reality should lead us in gratitude to God. Eucharist, giving mm. thanks, mm-hmm. and worship of God, who has made us in such a way that we can apprehend, take in, and become more and more familiar with him through his creation and the greatness of his creation and praise him for it. Now, you're describing here a kind of vision of a whole education yes. that would flower mm-hmm. in worship. Exactly. This this seems to contrast perhaps what some people might imagine a Catholic education is, which is a uh, kind of training or knowledge mm-hmm. plus piety, mm-hmm. uh, as though kind of piety uh, is good, perhaps, mm-hmm. but is really separate from the education proper. So the classroom is one area, the chapel is another, mm-hmm. but they're, would, they're, they're, they're really separate. But yeah. tell us about what, yeah. how, how are these actually connected to one another? Because I think that sounds yeah. kind of strange. Yes, there's a great word in Greek um, called cosmos. We use it in English too. It comes from the Greek word kosmin, uh, which means the way that a woman adorns herself to beautify her, uh, show her beauty, mm, and like our word cosmetics. Yeah, or exactly. Okay. Uh, uh, exactly. Cosmos. Cosmetics. Uh, yes. And uh, then you see that beauty to be just trained in some field, and then worshiping the Creator, and not being attentive to creation in the in the multiple perspectives that the the other subjects can provide for us. Mm-hmm. A panorama, a richness, uh, is to miss an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it. Uh, there's also a good word in Latin, universe, universare, to turn together as one, that all things are coming forth from God, issuing from him, being sustained in being, and aimed back toward himself in the new heavens and new earth, the wedding feast of the Lamb, and to these other subjects, these liberal arts, enable us to see that richness. As we're preparing for the birth of the Lord, what a difference it is to be able to have some deep familiarity with history, be able to see what the significance of this birth really is for every human being from the first two onward, who uh, God intends, says uh, God wants to save all men, as he says, first, I think it's first or second Timothy. Yes. So there's, a, there's an, a richness that is not available if you just simply go for your profession and then piety, Piety is great, but it can be a richer piety, a deeper piety with the liberal arts. So maybe one 
if I had to summarize all of that in one word, mm-hmm. it would be truth. Right. right. Which that, oh, yes. the truth is both one yes. and also uh, has right uh, an abundant richness yes. uh, that flowers forth in a million truths <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. that all of which flow from and flow back to. So if our education is orienting us to reality, uh, maybe first in the reality of the created world mm-hmm. and of ourselves, then it naturally leads to an understanding of the source of that world yes. in the creator. Yes. And having come to understand mm-hmm. the creator, yes, both through the world, but then also through his revelation, right? When I understand in a way the beauty and dignity of another person, I have to act in accordance. Yes. Right? Exactly. It wouldn't make sense to understand uh, what another human being is mm-hmm. and then uh, not somehow honor the image of God in that person. Yeah. So in the same way to understand the truth about God, Mm -hmm. especially as revealed in Jesus Christ. Right. Because it must flow forth in a kind of honoring love and gratitude. Yes, exactly. So there, you know, it's, it's, it's the unity of truth that really unites, right? The classroom and the chapel. And Christ tells us that he is the truth, the way, Mm. the truth and the life. And he is that primal truth who is, God, in his fullness, knows first himself the infinity of infinite perfections of his own essence. And he expresses all of that in his one word, his son, God from God, and then through the word uh, speaks into existence all of the beings. Genesis, uh, God spoke and they came to be. And so that same word is um, the one who is coming to restore and rescue what has been uh, hurt and uh, be, be damaged has been damaged and hurt um, through uh, the fall. The richness, as you say, then of uh, cosmos, universe, being restored and saved, is uh, I think central to our understanding of the university. By the way, the university is a Catholic invention from the Middle Ages in Europe. Uh, they were the first to start these kinds of schools where you would have this variety of subjects. And uh, with theology as a capstone, always issuing forth in praise, Eucharist, Mass. Um, Aquinas was teaching when he was in Paris, actually in the Cathedral of Notre Dame while it was being built. (laughs) So, yeah, notice the reaction, too, of the French to when there was a big fire in Notre Dame Cathedral several years ago. They weren't going to let that thing just, uh, you know, go. Uh, There was an enormous reaction I think shows that um, there's a deep appreciation, a greater appreciation for God and his and, and what the church is at a subliminal level almost in Western society. And it's really hurting that we're not educating ourselves mm-hmm. into it and restoring it and going, taking it further. Yeah, so this is the larger vision yes. uh, that you and the other faculty back uh, when there were four of you, Yes, and then uh, as it grew, right? To, yes, you know, from, from what uh, single digits to double mm-hmm. digits to mm-hmm. uh, you know three digits. Yeah, and we had to uh, start growing over time. And, and you, be, uh, you, you, you took over as the dean after I had a short spell down here when we first arrived. And then uh, you know, Father Lamb came and uh, yeah. uh, Father Fessio. Right, and I think it's that same sense, just as though this vision of an intake the integrity of learning yes. the, in, and the unity of truth 
it welcomes many new disciplines and it welcomes many new people. Yes. Right. It's not limited yes. to yes. Uh, the particulars because it's open uh, to the whole. To the whole. Exactly. And, you know, how did you, so I think you've, this is just such a, it's, it's so wonderful to kind of go back and walk <laughs> through these uh, days because I think that, that sometimes, you know, when the may university is established, uh, sometimes people can maybe take for granted and don't realize uh, what was uh, kind of fought for, what was developed maybe slightly against the grain of the dominant trends in contemporary education yes. of today, which tend to be either more technical or perhaps more focused on social change. Yes. Uh, but what I'd love to just shift gears for a moment is we've kind of looked at the beautiful vision what were some things that you did as a teacher, uh, right? You were, uh, mm-hmm. you're still emeritus professor with the university, but you taught for uh, 20 years or mm-hmm. more. And mm-hmm. before that had taught for many years in uh, Sacred Heart Major Seminary, seminary so, in Detroit. Yeah. So just what were some things you did in the classroom mm-hmm. uh, that tried to, you know, carry out this vision? of education as uh, helping the student and the professor, right, to conform Mm -hmm. to reality. Yes, yes. Uh, Examples. Uh, Father Carroll used many examples. Tearing paper, if any of their audience or students here Mm -hmm. uh, uh, use that. That uh, exercise is basically working out some implications from Plato's Parmenides, uh, where we arrive at seeing that anything that is existing, any of the existing beings, are necessarily don't exist except in as much as they are issuing from and being held in existence by the one. Mm-hmm. Dionysius is, and, and others, Augustine and others, are able to take this Platonic uh, developments and through the descendants of Plato, develop that so that one sees that that one is the Trinity. And uh, we, don't, we aren't existing right now holding this podcast except... That being is holding us in existence and all the equipment and everything else that's going on in the entire universe right now. And um, that exercise did make quite an impression, but it had to be done slowly and repeatedly. Um, There were other examples, too. I wanted to try to help the students to understand uh, the divine ideas. That is how God knows all the perfections of his essence and then chooses some of those perfections to be participated by creatures. And so he has these divine ideas. And um, so I spoke to them about, I'd, I'd play a piece of music by Mozart mm. and then ask them, uh, aren't you hearing the interior of Mozart's mind when he conceived this melody? You see this piano concerto number 21 or whatever, second movement is a particularly beautiful one. And um, the, the inaudible figures, ideas there coming out audibly into the air and then into you so that those same figures and forms can be inside your mind that were in Mozart's and were his joy. That's the, through the medium of the sound, then there's this communication of the inaudible through the audible into us. Um, that, uh, that's what God is doing with all the things that he's making. So when, when we listen to music, yes, Right, we're listening to the interior of, the of another person. Yeah, exactly. Right? How is another mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. able to communicate that interior life mm-hmm. to us yes. through 
sounds. Yes. Either right instrumental or through words. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that and, what's going on between us? Is you even converse with each other and so yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's one of those things we take so for granted mm-hmm. that we often don't realize the mystery of it. Yes. Kind exactly. Of, right, the wonder. Yes. That we can communicate ideas. Mm-hmm. We can communicate uh, stories. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we can communicate uh, like a whole history of emotions with music. And if we can do that what can through our <laughs> spoken sounds, yes, right, or play in, you know through instruments or through our voice, mm-hmm. then right in some ways that's what right God is doing. Yes, through right we learn not only in Genesis that God right you know um, said let there be light right he, yes. he spoke yes. And it came to be, yeah, yeah. But I know you uh, often would talk to students about the beginning of John yes. in a way when John retells the story of yes. creation, right? In the beginning. Yes. But mm-hmm. now through the incarnate yes. word. Yes. Could you say a word about that, about yeah. how, right, that, about how this sense of God speaking? Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, the beginning of John's uh, gospel, so, so very important. And in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. What came to be was life in him. Now, that divine life that's in the word is uh, the divine essence, which the Father speaks forth eternally, and then he speaks through that word the creatures into existence. And uh, both Augustine and Aquinas take that reading of the text, what came to be creatures, was life in him, his living divine essence. Uh, there's a communication of life that's going on. The, the things that are coming into being, whether they're alive or not, they're still in some ways expressing the interior life of God and his perfections. And then that one became, and then he became flesh. And so the one who is dwelling forever in the bosom of the Father, as John says at the end of that prologue, he has made the Father known in such a way that uh, we're not only able to say there is a first being and a cause of all, but that first being is the Blessed Trinity, ever with the Holy Spirit proceeding as that mutual love uh, of each other. The and, and, and how Son. beautiful that there's yeah. no competition. Yeah, exactly. In, in the way that you describe it there, there's not a competition between God's presence as the creator mm-hmm. and having created all that is created yes. through his word, um, and his eternal word. Yes. Right. Exactly. So that God and the creature are not in competition with one another. And that also means that creation in its uh, created goodness is not in competition with one another. Exactly. Right. Yes. So yes. that there is a fundamental original harmony. Yeah. Right. In some ways, I think we can think about this spokenness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? If God creates through the world word, uh, some people like Tolkien and Lewis have thought about that mm-hmm. as God creates through song. Yes. Right. Yes. And so God creates a fundamental harmony. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. of course experience much disharmony. Mm-hmm. Uh, we experience mm-hmm. sin, confusion, right? Death, destruction, yes. betrayal, all sorts of these things. Yes. Um, but that's in a way secondary. Yes. That's a, that, that be, that's not original. There's the original goodness and then there's the corruption by sin. And then God yes. enters into that mm-hmm. sin mm-hmm. in he, order to somehow heal it. Yes. Right. Uh, ultimately through the resurrection. Yes. Yes. So he's not about to let his very good creation, as he calls it in Genesis, uh, 
just linger and fall mm-hmm. away. And that also means one of the things I think that when we listen to or when we talk about, say, Aquinas' proofs for the existence of God from mm-hmm. looking at the cosmos, we forget that we ourselves are part of the cosmos. That's right. So yes. when we think about God loving created things, it doesn't just mean he loves the world outside of us, but it means he loves us. Yes. We are one of those things that God, Mm -hmm. as you put it, Mm -hmm. certain perfections he chose to bring into being. Yes, yes. We, right, and this is personal, right? You and I Mm -hmm. are among those things. Yes, absolutely. Each listener is among those things, those realities that God has 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 loved and willed and brought into being. Yes, yes. uh, With a a purpose. Yes. The world is not an accident. We're not accidents. That's right. No, yeah. all very, very much intended, providentially ordered. And uh, as Augustine and Aquinas following say, God does not allow any evil in this world that he cannot make even greater good out of it. Wow. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on in Ukraine. There's a lot going on in many parts of the world. But we don't see what tremendous acts people are performing in which they are meriting eternal life right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, here in Florida, we had a terrible Hurricane Ian that really wiped out a lot of people's homes and, and so on. And, uh, but you'd follow on the news, people doing things, saying things. They're just uh, extraordinary works of grace going on. Mm-hmm. I'm not recommending <laughs> that we look for hurricanes, but mm-hmm. it's just... Uh, He's I, at work. I, I he's at work. Reading somebody in him, we and live and move and have our being. So yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's and, and that this is... Right, Christ and Paul show that the, the the glory will be revealed, but it will come about somehow through mm-hmm. through hardship, suffering. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, therefore, the fact that we cannot avoid or outthink or escape death yes. and difficulties uh, need not rob us of hope. Yes, right, because yes. right, Christ mm-hmm. has triumphed. Now, uh, I did want to just mention one thing, and then I want to ask you a few questions as, okay. as we conclude. But one is, I think so many students know of you as a teacher uh, who, I think, uh, threw himself into teaching as much as anyone really has. Uh, and I know you don't like to, um, you know, hear the attention, uh, but I think the I, the university recently uh, named a faculty excellence award after, um, you know, Dr. Bill Reardon. And yeah. uh, I think that kind of shows the impact and i think the encouragement that many of us find in wanting to become better teachers and i think that many of our students uh, but you were also a scholar um and uh this this book on divine light the theology of dennis the Areopagite, dionysius published by ignatius press was a, a real wonderful gift mm-hmm. as well and i think shows that genuine teaching comes out of that conformity, almost that kind of consecration, and Excordial speaking about this, is we consecrate ourselves to the truth. Uh, and so I just wanted to thank you for your work on that. Yeah, I also, well. uh, I just yes. mentioned another book that was published by the university's uh, Sapientia Press here on the mystical theology of Dionysius the Areopagite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, it was his treatise on prayer, yes. which was taken and still is considered one of the greatest uh, works on prayer. Aquinas in the Secunda, Secundae, uh, question 180, follows Dionysus very carefully in his discussion of contemplation. Yeah. And um, that book is uh, That's right. what's, the, what's the title of that book? Yeah. Uh, uh, the Mystical Theology of Dionysius the Areopagite. Yeah. Uh, 
And, and the actual mystical theology, the text is only, what, 10, 15 pages? That's right, yeah. And yeah. it's wonderful. You wrote a whole book, uh, <laughs> both introducing it and then translating it and unpacking it. Yeah. Right? It, we often do need to read great works. Uh, we often, right, we, we, we're, you know, we're human. We also need teachers. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, your book in some ways is an encapsulation of your teaching. Well, I hope so. Uh, yeah. But I hope the te teaching was what it should have been, and I hope the book was. But the what I did is I tried to do the um, Greek on one side and a facing page translation English, yeah. mm -hmm. and then commentary. So yes, yeah. and that book can be found with uh, Sapiencia Press, which mm -hmm. is uh, sold through Catholic University America Press. Uh, so just three quick questions towards mm -hmm. the end. Uh, okay, what's a what's a spiritual practice that you do every day to help you find meaning mm -hmm. and purpose? Um, yeah. Um, I usually do the divine office uh, with my wife in the morning, if we can get it in, sometimes we don't, uh, and in the evening, divine office, um, daily mass, at least of some sort. We're not quite as mobile as we used to be, so sometimes we do it on EWTN. Mm -hmm. And then um, as much as possible being uh, sitting in adoration. Uh, that's really a big help. Um, my wife is a tremendous uh, um, companion and friend and beautiful lady. And we Right, do a lot of time in prayer together. So that's that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, another question: What's a book you're reading? I'm reading right now um, a book that's still in edited. It's in still being edited. It's the Five Ways of Aquinas by Father uh, Owen mm -hmm. Carroll. Uh, I think it's an extraordinary analysis of the five ways. I think bringing out um, the significance of the five ways for the movement of the entire Summa. Because, uh, and see, in the first uh, part, you have a uh, discussion of God and then creation. And then the second part, man, as uh, being moved toward God. Third part, Christ, as our way to God. The five ways, he's able to show that the five ways are somehow mm. undergirding the entire work. It is going to be a, a marvelous, yeah, yeah. and it's going to be published by Albertus Magnus Press, uh, president is uh, Stephen Courtright, uh, former professor of philosophy at St. Mary's, and uh, another young man named John Johnson, who is um, sort of the, very much the sort of uh, demiurge and worker mm -hmm. to try to bring the you know well, the, the, the press to to. to well, it's wonderful to see that you continue to really have that deep passion for learning and uh, and that idea that right. The, it's, I guess it's not surprising that the five ways of showing God would mm -hmm. be connected to Christ, who, as Aquinas yeah. says, is our way. Yeah, that's right. God. Exactly. So, that's uh, it. And then that's finally, it. what's what's one false belief that you held about God? Mm -hmm. And what was the truth well, you discovered? Which one? <laughs> I, uh, in the undergraduate years, I was uh, very mistaken and confused at times about, uh, about God. And at time, a certain point, I think I probably didn't believe that there was a God. And then, and more and more convinced that there was, and then it was a journey to find um, more and more back my way to the Catholic uh, truth, uh, with Christ as the one true tr true teacher in all of us as learners. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, but uh, yeah, it is always uh, God is always drawing us back at every moment He's at work. Well, wow. well, uh, Bill, thank you so much for thank you. being with uh, mm -hmm. us today. And it's such a joy to kind of walk back through uh, the early days of Ave Maria Institute College and, and now university. Yes. And to really remind ourselves 
uh, and to remember that that founding mm-hmm. uh, and continuing right vision yes. that really orients uh, the university mm-hmm. right as a Catholic university yes. uh, that 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 engages and uh, right brings draws in all sorts of different modes of study mm-hmm. um, but but with an overall purpose mm-hmm. uh, with a sense that they do somehow in a small way right help to restore a little bit of the order and the harmony that that God originally sang in his universe so uh, thank you so much thank you thank you so much for joining us for this podcast if you like this episode please rate and review it on your favorite podcast app to help others find the show and if you want to take the next step please consider joining our annunciation circle so we can continue to bring you more free content We'll see you next time on the Catholic Theology Show.